0: What is up? And welcome to another episode of Drafters in Session. Will Decker here with the man, the myth, the legend, the madman, the maddest man west of the Mississippi, my brother, Jamal Madney. What is going on, my man?
1: Will, the thrill, my brother from another mother, exa- excited to do this again. If draft is in Session, this is going to be another fun episode for us,
0: bro. This is a incredibly fun one, and linebackers are just one of my favorite positions in football in general. But I was really looking into the depth of this draft, and there is like seven or eight guys that I really feel could start for NFL teams, you know. And you know, the more we do this, the more I push back on that weak draft talk that this was supposedly, uh, you know, and maybe it is at the quarterback position, but everywhere else is stacked with depth guys and this linebacking group is fun as hell to watch. Uh, I got like seven or eight guys we can talk about, uh, you know, in in with my top five. So it's just a lot of dudes we can bring to light. How was the uh, preparation for this linebacker podcast? Thriller, you know, very similar. There were kind of seven guys that I
1: really liked. Um, And, but for me, there's kind of three that are a cut above everybody else. And then I think that there are another three that, Um, I think are very solid, strong prospects, like you mentioned, I think have the ability to be starters on an NFL roster. And then there's one wild card in there that I really like. So those are kind of my seven.
0: I've got a wild card too, and we're going to get there. It's my third best linebacker on the board. So I'm excited to see where you go with this. I'm pretty sure I know who your top two linebackers are. Um, I'm going to give you the floor and I want to hear when all was said and done, Madman, you ran the tape, you ran the combine results, even though most of them are pointless, as we pointed out in many other podcasts. Who is your number one linebacker?
1: Will, I might surprise you on this. I might not. But for me, what jumped off at the – when you sort of combine what jumped off on tape, what was overall production last year, um, the measurables and the intangibles, you put it all together. For me, it's Devin Lloyd. I think that he is an absolute stud. This guy is a different animal. Okay. You know, 6'3, 235, obviously ran uh, a 4'6, 6'40, but it just goes so much beyond that. I mean, you talk about the production, it was absolutely insane. 111 tackles this year, eight sacks, four interceptions. I mean, and I mean, the most dominant, I know we talk about you know, Thibodeau and, and, you know, what that ceiling is and that upside and no question about it. And obviously we've, we've had our episode on, on defensive ends and what have you, but in terms of who was the most dominant player in the PAC 12 conference on the defensive side, it was Devin Lloyd last year, no question about it. And what, to me, what just sort of separates him is, you know, a couple of things, you know, he, he got off to such a incredible start to his season first three games three consecutive 10 plus tackle games but to me this guy can impact all four levels of an offense and so when you talk about behind the line of scrimmage in terms of disrupting uh the quarterback with sacks and qb pressures as well as sort of lateral and flat plays when you talk about run stuffing at the point uh at the line of scrimmage and sort of being tough and being physical there. Then when you talk about pass coverage, in that sort of intermediate line of scrimmage to nine, 10 yards area, the guy was an absolute monster there. And then he had some plays where even 15 yards down the field, he was deflecting passes and sort of leading tips to other guys. And his ball skills are just absolutely out of control. I mean, the four interceptions that he had, I remember the game against Stanford, I mean, he snatches that ball out of the air and just sort of falls into the end zone. Others where just it was absolutely sensational in terms of even his catch radius as a linebacker was insane. And then when you couple that with the fact that you can put him on the edge and, and have him be an edge rusher in certain packages, and you can play that sort of hybrid linebacker defensive end slot a la Von Miller. I mean, you have an elite prospect here um that is an absolute game changer defensively and so for me he was number one in my mind no question about it
0: he was my number one too and i think everything you said he just checks every single box pass coverage you want that he held receivers at a 50 or a quarterback rating of a 50 percent when targeted four interceptions like you said you want sacks he's blitzing he got eight sacks last year made it incredible plays um 100 plus tackles, which for college, you have to remember that's 13 games. That's way harder to do at the college level. And just the thing that stood out to me above all the other linebackers is he is the most, he has the highest football IQ from that position. He is the general of that defense. He knows where everything's going, everything runs through him. Every team knew they had to prepare for Devin Lloyd. And every game, Devin Lloyd showed out and most of the time came out as the, the victor in those battles. I mean, this guy, what he was able to put together this year, uh, you know, one of the best linebacking seasons, you know, probably since those clay Matthews, Maluga teams, you know, honestly, I can't remember a more impactful pac 12 linebacker than Devin Lloyd pass coverage, the blitzing, uh, you know, the, the straight ahead tackling, he was ranked all in all those areas above 80 in PFF, which is a very, very good grade according to PFF. So, Devin Lloyd was my guy. And it, you add up all the production, but it's the IQ and the instincts. He is so gifted in those areas. And that's what you want from your linebacker. You want a cerebral linebacker that is able to make all the plays over the field. So I had him over a hair over our next guy. I, I'm taking it you had N'Kobe Dean number two. Is that correct? Well, I had Nicobe Dean. It was sort of tied for number two for me. Um,
1: for me, it was between N'Kobe Dean and Christian Harris. Uh, those yeah. were kind of my two guys uh, right immediately after. And if someone like a Devin Lloyd could affect all four levels of an offense, these guys can affect kind of the three levels, right? You know, behind the line of scrimmage, at the line of scrimmage, and the point of attack, and then up until it's time to move the chains in terms of pass coverage. What I loved about Nakobe Dean is obviously that vaunted Georgia defense. He was essentially the captain of that team. Um, you know the 72 tackles six sacks two interceptions he had that glorious pick six 53 yards um, wow. in uh, the game against Florida you know he was absolutely sensational 11 tackles and a sack against Tennessee uh, you know seven tackles and a sack against Michigan you know he was just absolutely incredible all the way across the board and I think just the variety that you can do with Dean in terms of different packages. You know, he's, you know, you run blitz, pass blitz, um, his lateral quickness to be able to yeah. blow up bubble screens, screen plays, and, and sort of just lateral throws, his ability to be so versatile in that intermediate pass game as well and just be a glue um, to uh, any sort of a, a slot receiver potentially even and a tight end, uh, absolutely phenomenal. He was the captain of that defense, And it was absolutely sensational. And so for me, Dean was super, super duper, just not quite as super duper as Devin Lloyd. And I think it was tied with Christian Harris. And Christian Harris, Mm -hmm. another guy, 79 tackles, five and a half sacks. I mean, the guy can really do it all for me. You know, the three sacks against Georgia in the title game. um, Athleticism blew me away in terms of his lateral quickness, Um, Just the things that he could do, his agility, you know, that's a word that you don't use a lot with the linebacker sometimes. And his just agility was out of control, where sometimes in some of these misdirection plays, he's going full speed one direction. He can stop, flip on a dime and go that other direction and blow up a play, Um, whether that's, you know, forcing fumbles uh, with running backs and quarterbacks, whether that's straight on blitzes, whether that's just straight up pass coverage. You know, these three guys were just a cut above for me
0: um, over the rest of the field. I'm so glad you brought up both those dudes. Harris is actually my number five linebacker. So I'm excited to get to him in the future. Uh, Nicobe Dean, um, just an absolute uh, track star at the linebacking position. Like, that is what comes to mind. This guy runs like a gazelle at 225 at the linebacking position. The only thing I could really find is a negative for him. He's six foot two twenty five. But as I've always said, if you like a guy, he checks every box, but he's just slightly undersized, you gotta, you just take the guy. It's gonna work out. You know, I don't think anyone was saying that with Aaron Donald coming through, you know, as a slightly undersized defensive tackle. Uh, just what N'Cobe Dean does. Like, and I was marveling at uh, Devin Lloyd's passer rating that he held Pac 12 quarterbacks to. N'obe Dean's was 30.7 quarterback rating when targeted. So this guy, and this is becoming kind of the the standard of the linebackers. Like, you look at the top two highest-paid linebackers in the NFL today. It's Fred Warner. It's Darius Leonard. And what do they do well? They play the run, but they are as good in the pass game as anyone there is. And N'Kobe Dean provides that. And I've got a comp for you, man. You know, and and not to interrupt
1: you, and and please continue, but you have to be in today's NFL because it's that short passing game that's replaced the run game. You know, gone are the days – that your running back is going to have 300, 350 carries. You know, at most, a running back is going to be in the low 200s in terms of, you know, straight up run carries. And it's that short passing game that's going to sort of uh, offset those plays where you're not trying to go down the field, but you're just trying to stay in front of the chains. And so it has re- it's totally so much of the talk in, in the NFL today is how the passing game has revolutionized the quarterback position. And how it has commoditized the running back position. But very little discussion is how this modern NFL has actually revolutionized the linebacker position more than arguably any other position on the field. Because if you cannot be elite in terms of pass defense in today's NFL, then guess what? You are a situational linebacker and it's going to limit your ceiling on your impact in the NFL, your longevity in the NFL, and your ultimate payday in the
0: NFL. And uh, you know, with Nakobe, I got a the, the guy that screamed out to me. I know this because you were an NFL fan. Uh, you know, back in the late '90s, early 2000s, Derek Brooks. This is what this guy screamed to me: undersized linebacker. You mentioned the pick six he had against Florida, the pick six Brooks had in the Super Bowl against the Raiders. It was like side by side comparison. Lightning quick linebackers, great in the pass game. This is the next Derek Brooks for me. I, I don't. I want to hear your comparison on that, but I thought that was a natural uh, guy to say. This is his prototype. If you can reach that ceiling, ding 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 ding. Will, congratulations! You just had the best <laughs> comp of
1: draft season. You win. Okay, in the <laughs> words of Kenny Smith. Okay, in the 2000 slam dunk competition, it's over. ladies and gentlemen, it's over. Let's go home. Let's go <laughs> home, ladies and gentlemen, with that comp. That was absolutely a phenomenal comp. And, you know, the, the benefit of Dean of making that pick six is he didn't have Gruden in his ear who, oh, by the way, coached the other team and told these guys exactly where to be, you know, that famous uh, mic of John Lynch basically saying halfway through the second quarter, have these guys run a play that we haven't practiced yet, you know, so, um, but kidding aside, absolutely. I love the Derrick Brooks comparison. That was incredibly spot on. And again, it's the same argument that we've used in the past over Russell Wilson. It's the same argument we've used in the past of, of some shorter receivers in the slot. You're you know, Calvin we, Austin.
0: Your guy Calvin yeah. Austin. Yeah.
1: Exactly. And so, you know, sometimes NFL thinking can be so archaic. Uh, Dean is lightning fast. I mean, you know, you're talking about in the four threes of, of the forty. Time And, you know, at that size. So the size to me does not matter as much, especially in, in today's NFL. You know, the size sort of matters. I think a lot of people don't understand is, you know, when you're throwing the ball downfield a little bit more, then it sort of, you know, it matters a little bit in terms of setup of the play. But when you're going sort of shorter distances, when you're doing more spread slash, you know, old school West Coast concepts, it's really at that point of attack that you sort of understand misdirection of a play. So it's not necessarily, you know, eye level uh, with the quarterback that's most important, but it's reflex time, right? Uh, and yeah. and and the ability to change direction is really what you're looking for in a linebacker more so than, you know, line of sight uh, sometimes. And so I think Dean is uh, an incredible prospect because of that burst of speed as well and everything that you described.
0: What is up, Bruin Bible listeners? We interrupt this podcast to bring you our new deal that we have. We are excited to announce that we have partnered with a number of different sports books to give you the best options for all your betting needs. For our California listeners, BetUS.com is the perfect, the perfect place to bet on the NFL draft the NBA, or any sport that you are interested in. Get a 125% bonus on your first deposit with our link. If you live in a betting state, then be sure to check out our deal with DraftKings, FanDuel, or BetMGM. Plenty of free money out there with your first free deposit. In order to get our special deal, uh, you have to type in Bruin Bible. Uh, you have to click on the link located in the description or go to LAFB betting offers, uh, win big with these amazing promotions and bet safely. Now back to the podcast.
1: Right, and I also I had it tied will with with Christian Harris just because Harris the the agility man. I mean, it was just unreal. His agility at the linebacker position really stood out to me um, as as my kind of co number two.
0: And Christian Harris, to his credit, three-year starter at Alabama. That is, like, the toughest program to get on the field. He was there bright and early, making plays for them for a while. Um, He made Bruce Feldman's list. He power-cleaned – my jaw dropped when I heard this. Power-cleans 405 at 232 pounds. Like, that is just incredible strength from Christian Harris. Three sacks in the national championship game, like you mentioned. He's up there in the terms of IQ for me, like – If I'm looking for a linebacker to get an NFL playbook down like immediately, he's near that Devin Lloyd range where it's like this guy might be the most smartest instinctual linebacker to couple with that incredible athleticism at the linebacking position. So Christian Harris near the top of my list too. Do you want to hear my third one? And I'm going to let you declare if this is fair or not, because when we look at the linebacking position, a lot of times, especially the outside linebacking position, we have guys like Vaughn Miller and TJ Watt who are technically considered linebackers. Would you consider Nick Benito an outside linebacker? Because I do. You know, you know, Will,
1: it's so funny. Benito's my number five, okay? So oh, yeah, yeah. You know, we're, we're, we're hovering right in the same place. Uh, I absolutely love Nick Benito. And, and, you know, he's a hybrid, right? You know, he's linebacker. You've got that versatility, of being an absolute edge rusher. He's sort of a monster Um, in terms of, you know, this isn't a stat, but if it was, I would argue that Nick Benito would be number one in the country. And that is percentage of plays, percentage of snaps that he's played in where he actually ended up in the backfield. And when you actually look at uh, the film, I mean, you're talking about close to fifty percent of the time. I, w- I would argue it's between 40 and 50 percent of the time that regardless of where Nick Benito started on the field, he was in the backfield by the end of the play, either either directly disrupting that play or indirectly disrupting that play. And so Benito was a guy for me that was, you know, a top five guy. I didn't personally have him in that top three. more so because of a lack of reps and sort of a lack of maybe identity of what is the primary position going to be. However, having said that, his versatility
0: and his upside is off the charts. And I'm so glad you brought up that point because my stats directly correlate to the point that you made, essentially his win rate. Here's the highest pass rush win rate uh, for Power 5 Edges in the history of PFF. Number one, it's Nick Boza at 25.9%, one of the most dominant defensive ends we've ever seen at the college level. Number two is Nick Benito, (laughs) 25.2%. Like this guy was balling on a different level the last two win percentage years. And this couple's his early win rate, so it downgraded a little bit. 2020, he was 28.6. Like that is, that's like batting like 380 in baseball. Like that is, you're getting a hit nearly every time you come up to bat. In 2021, it was 27.3. So, I mean, he led all, like, dominated the Big 12 in that stat. And just the explosiveness, you know, he did have 19 sacks over these last two years. He also had 33 tackles for a loss, so he can play the run, too. He's a disruptive player. And I think if we consider the T.J. Watts, the Von Millers, the DeMarcus Ware's linebackers, to some extent, we have to consider Nick Benito that. Yes, And no I'm glad we're very aligned on that, so... When I saw just the, the raw PFF stats, like this is a stat guy's dream to add Nick Benito to his team. And just the film we saw where he's beating it. He may have had the best film of anybody yeah. here. Like I had to put him number three. I just had you
1: were, to. You're so right there because you have to sort of, I think what a lot of fans, as well as a lot of NFL people sometimes need to do with statistics is you have to normalize those statistics given the context that you're in, right? Uh, uh, you know, 20 sacks in one situation may not mean 20 sacks in another situation. You know, 15 touchdowns in one situation may not mean 15 touchdowns in another situation. The fact that Benito got seven sacks in the Big 12 is, cannot be understated how significant that is because the Big 12 is a conference that is designed to get the ball out quickly. Everybody is running spread. Everybody is running a derivative of the air rate. When you talk about release time um, and ball being out time uh, for a quarterback of any conference in college football, the fastest of that is the Big 12. And so it's sort of virtual impossibility sometimes for a linebacker or a defensive end to get to the quarterback. So the fact that this guy's got seven sacks in that context, okay, really is like 12 or 14 sacks in another traditional Power 5 conference. So we're sort of seeing this sort of aggregation of evidence of his dominance, whether that is through the win rate, whether that is contextualizing the sacks, whether that's watching the film and seeing how much he's on the backfield. And so his disruption, his dominance coupled with his versatility, I think he's a steal and he's going to be a value pick for folks that are really paying attention.
0: Yeah. And he may be used situationally, right? Because he is an edge rusher at his, at his core, but it's just the dominance, like the dominance propelled him to number three, like this guy, we didn't even mention this guy in the edge rushing draft thing, by the way, like, I think we were saving him for the linebacking room, but I just, man, 6'3", 240, can move like that, has that step, uses his hands like lethal weapons against those tackles. I just couldn't get him below three, man. I could not do it. It's fair. Yes. So we have gotten through our top three guys, Madman. I'm going to let you lead with number four. Who do you got for me, man? My
1: number four, Will, is Brandon Smith from – okay. Brandon Smith from Penn State, well, you know, six three, two forty one, ran a four five two, you know, eighty one tackles this year, two sacks. What, you know, he had sort of a, a career high game this year with the ten tackles in that battle against Michigan. But what I really saw about Brandon Smith is that there's two aspects to his game where he is absolutely elite at that sort of dean. Lloyd Harris level. It's just that not every aspect of his game is elite, okay? Of at that level, and the two aspects where he's really good, he is an incredible straight line blitzer. So you know when you when you watch the film, this guy has incredible closing speed when he's blitzing, and whether that's sort of blowing up a run pass option uh, from a spread perspective whether that's going straight for the quarterback. He has done a lot of incredible plays in the backfield when he's blitzing, and he's an elite blitzer uh, at the linebacking position. And he has an incredible ability to disguise that he's going to blitz. You know, a lot of guys are sort of like track stars. They're sort of like leaning and ready to go. He has this incredible ability to sort of stay situational, stay in his base form and then be able to blitz and really have that closing speed. And I think the second aspect of his game is he's very quick laterally. And so if you look at the the highlights in the tape, the amount of bubble screens and quick balls out to the running backs or you know, any sort of screenplay or short sort of passing game at passing game at or near the line of scrimmage, he was blowing it up laterally. And so again, I think it's a situational. Uh, type of linebacker in the nfl but if you're specifically looking for those two things um of of having a great blitzing linebacker and someone who can sort of disrupt things laterally brandon
0: smith is a great pick i really like brandon smith i like his potential i had to leave him at number six for me because i think he relatively underperformed for his athleticism in college I gotta be honest. Like he is, a, he is phenomenally talented, and you see him in the backfield a lot. These plays, he only had two sacks this past year, right? Yeah, eighty-one tackles. He's a below-average tackler, too, for my money, in that size. Athletic freak, though, and you know, I think so, some team is just gonna fall in love with him from his workouts. But to me, I think if you can add the work of becoming a great linebacker, you know, get a good coaching staff to train him up with the athleticism you can't teach, right? He's 6'3", 250, runs the same 40 times as N'Kobe Dean with three inches and 25 pounds on him. Like, the guy's a freak. But I just wanted to see more. I think that's what I came away with. And it just kind of strikes me as an unfinished product at the end of the day.
1: That's fair. fair. We could
0: easily be looking back on this saying Brandon Smith was the best linebacker in this group, if he's able to kind of match that out. But for me, that was just the one thing holding me back with Smith. I think... He is a guy that, you gosh, if you're a combine guy, this is like your guy. Like, this is the dude. So Brandon Smith has a bright future. I'm excited to see what team he goes to. And the fear that I have is he goes to the Cowboys and links with his old linebacking partner, Micah Parsons. Oh, that would be unfair for the rest of the league. And, uh, yeah, I think the Cowboys are moving on from Leighton Vander Esch, too. So that could be uh As a- they should, a- truthfully. Yeah, I mean, the guy, he had a great rookie year, but he's really regressed uh, since, like, offensive coordinators and quarterbacks have kind of, you know, got the tape on him, so to, so to speak. So, Brand Smith was close to my list. The guy that I got number four, and you know I'm very high on this dude, Muma. Muma's my guy. And I really wanted to be, like, fair with this and look it out, and I did. I looked into a bunch of different dudes, but just the production, the burst, the fact he's a middle linebacker calling the plays. I mean, we can look at the stats. 142 tackles, three picks. I mean, he's got kind of a ball hawk yep. nature to him. He returned yep. two of them to the house. I just love Muma, and I just don't think he's getting enough credit coming into this draft. Chad Muma is my guy. What do you think about my fourth linebacker on the board?
1: Will, I think it's it's a very uh, fair assessment. I think it's astute. Uh, when is Will the Thrill not astute? You know, that would be the breaking news is when you're not astute. But, you know, Same for me, uh, you know, Muma didn't quite crack my top six, top seven. Um, but I understand where the value lies with him. And I think the ability to essentially captain a defense um, is a skill that uh, you know is oftentimes overlooked. Guys, you know, a, you know, NFL GMs sort of just get in awe of just kind of the physical aspects, or the productivity on film, or just sort of a combination of things where they don't necessarily understand or value enough the cerebral aspects of the game. And oftentimes, what I saw with Muma is his understanding of the game is what enabled him to be in the right position to make the play more so than even his athleticism. And so I think that that, that is a skill that will translate at the next level in a, in a great way. My only question concern is, you know, how does the athleticism translate to the next level? And if he is starting at too far a deficiency in that aspect even if you have a tremendous understanding of the game, you know, if the physical limitation is there just in terms of a lack of athleticism, like I, I could know, hey, the play is going here, but if I don't have the ability to get there, then it almost becomes sort of a moot point with Muma. So that's kind of my question in terms of the jump and sort of the level difference a little bit. Um, but I understand the value a great deal and, and just can't say enough
0: good things about the kid. Mooma's great. And, you know, 6'3", 242, ran a 4'6", 340. Um, I feel confident. I think it's going to translate. That's just my gut feeling. Obviously, I'm a huge fan of this guy, and I'll ride it out until it's, you know, at the end of the table. I think we all have those draft prospects that we're willing to die on that hill. I just like him, and he had a PFF grade of 90. Like, and, you know, that's what you want to see. I think he checked a lot of boxes. Um, Madman, who's your fifth favorite linebacker? Was it, was it Benito? So my uh,
1: bonito was sort of so. Will I had kind of like a top three, then sort of like a next three, and then like a seventh guy. So like you know, I, I my the last guy for me in the next three is also a little bit of a of a wild card and a guy who's not getting um, a lot of buzz, but he's sort of a freak athletically and I'm excited. It's Sam Williams, Ole Miss, and. Whoa. And so this guy, you know, at 265 to run a 4'46. And then when you sort of turn on the tape, you know, he's six foot four. He had 12 and a half sacks at Old Miss. And this guy is sort of a diamond in the rough to me. He's my wild card. Um, Sam Williams is someone who, you know, just absolutely can wreak havoc um in, in the backfield. I think he's a combination linebacker, edge rusher. Um, an absolute freak, he's raw. There's no question about that. And so technique at the next level. But if you look at, if you actually sort of plotted, right, size and speed um, in terms of maximum size, maximum speed, Sam Williams is probably going to be in that top right quadrant more so than just about any other linebacker prospect. And so the things that he can do really well, you can't teach. The things that where there's some polishing that needs to be done is teachable. So he's a little bit of a project, but he's sort of my wild card. And I'm, I'm throwing Sam Williams in the hat just because you watch the tape, you watch the productivity and you just this guy's this guy's built a little bit differently. And in terms of kind of the closing speed and things that he has, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of
0: high on Sam Williams as my diamond in the rough. Sam Williams, to your credit, was a name I was not expecting but is kind of a guy that's deep in the draft that you're right is not getting the recognition he deserves. 12 and a half sacks this past year as an edge rusher and we talk about Benito he was Benito's six four two two or six three two forty this guy's six foot four two sixty five and he ran a tenth 4-4-4-3. of a second was it, yeah. what was this 40 time Four four six. So he ran faster than Benito. Yeah. So at 260, I mean, I, yeah, this is like, this is what the combine is for is finding these athletic freaks and then implementing into a system where they can learn kind of where to go with it. So Sam Williams, man. Wow. A little, a, a little bit of a,
1: let's roll the dice in Vegas, you know, big money, big money, big money, you know, blue here, you know, per, you know, black 32 on the roulette table, but you know, let's spice it up a little bit. Sam Williams is kind of my diamond in the rough.
0: Hey, man, we need a new pair of shoes, so let's <laughs> let's do it, man. Let's do it. I, I'm all in on the Sam Williams one. I've got a couple of linebackers that I really like, and we spoke to the one-dimensional linebacker, and to me that's Leo yeah, that, that, very he, high.
1: He was my other guy, yep.
0: Very, very high on Chennault. I just have loved this guy. He was actually the highest-ranked linebacker uh, in all of PFF last year uh, He was 92.1 Higher than Devin Lloyd Higher than N'Kobe Dean Playing in a very competitive conference uh, 95 tackles You know, 8 sacks Really did his thing there And the thing that stood out to me Was Chenal put together A crazy pro day And I'm a little weary on it Because sometimes uh, The the clocks are a little faster or I'll say Than at the other places It's a little home field advantage Type of thing there but we're checking out his, his height. He's six foot. He's 250. He benched 34 at 225. That is the most. That would have been the most in the history of the combine at his position. Dominated that. I don't know how this helps you, but a 40 inch vertical at 260 is incredible. And then he ran a 453 at 260. So, I mean, it's just like we just spoke about Sam Williams yeah. being a combine freak, Leo Chanel doing the same thing at six foot. Six foot three, two sixty, right? So Chenal is a guy that if you're looking to get a run stopper, there's nobody better in this draft purely at the run than Chanel. I'm worried about the pass. I'm worried about those hips moving out and guarding, you know, tight ends, maybe a receiver every now and then. But if you're looking for a situational guy and this guy falls to the third round, you gotta take Leo Chenal, man. This guy is
1: my he was my seventh guy. Like he was my sixth guy, and Williams was sort of my wild card. Uh, completely agree with you. When you sort of look at him on film, this incredible nose for the football, and the guy's absolutely relentless. You know, in these in these just slu- slug it out Big Ten games that Wisconsin has played, you know, every week in and week out, he was absolutely instrumental in you know the success that they've had as a defense over the last couple of years. And again, this guy is elite absolutely elite he's second to none really from a linebacker prospect when you're talking about plays inside the tackle box right and so you know that ability to stop the run get to the quarterback but when everything is sort of inside the tackle box this guy's absolutely elite the question is when the play stretches beyond the tackle box and when it sort of goes beyond five to seven yards how is Chennault going to hold up? And that's kind of the question. And that's why he's sort of a, a, a five, six or seven type of ranked linebacker and not a one, two or a three. Um, but if the game was played in an elevator, you know, Chennault would you know be one of the best linebackers on the board and just absolutely relentless. So, you know, when you think about potentially the Steelers, when you think potentially about the Ravens, when you think about You know, teams that are all about stopping the run as core to their identity. Um, You know, this guy is a great rotational linebacker within that system. No question
0: about it. Love Chanel. And uh, I do want to give you credit, too, on another guy. I went back and watched a lot of Georgia film for this because their linebacking group is just loaded with dudes. And you were one of the guys that really, you know, spoke about Channing Tindall. Yeah. This is a guy that I really like. And, you know, the stats, you you have to throw out the stats when comparing these Georgia, you know, linebackers' this defense because it is like the equivalent of you're throwing a piece of meat to three pit that are just going to chomp at it. You're not going to win every one of those. But, boy, you're getting – like everyone was getting theirs on Georgia's defense, Jordan Davis, you know, Trayvon Walker, guys like that. So you're competing right. with future first-rounders to get tackles. That being said, you know, 67 total tackles, 81 grade on PFF, five and a half sacks, and is the fastest linebacker out of the three of those guys. He ran the four fours for his combine. I mean, this is a guy that's not tiny either. He's 6'2", 230. He's bigger than Nicobe Dean, ran a faster 40 time. I liked his tape better than Quay Walker, who's the other guy Mm. that they're talking up. I think Walker plays, you know, just a little bit more looser, which – for me, is not what I want to see from my linebacker, Tyndall. Sideline to sideline, I can feel confident. This guy's got it covered. What do you think about Channing Tyndall? Oh, I mean,
1: you know, Tyndall's Tyndall's one of my guys. He's got, you know, I've got a a, a soft spot in my heart for for Channing Tyndall. The, the straight line speed is is outrageous. I mean, and you know, if anyone has any sort of question about it, turn on, just watch that Clemson, Georgia season opener. I mean, if there's any question about, you know, Channing Tindall's ability to disrupt an elite offense, um, you know, just flip on that tape. And especially in today's NFL, where so much happens laterally, um, you know, he's a guy who's just absolutely an athletic freak. I love him to death. He's sort of in my top, he's a top 10 guy for me. Um, And, you know, he's an absolute disruptor. You know, you just, again, We've talked about this in other episodes, Will. You know, the 40 time is such a weird stat. Um, really, it's all about acceleration at the point of attack. And Tyndall has that in spades. I love everything about him. I love, you know, at 6'1", he's, you know, he's big. He's not too big. Uh, he's lean. He's agile. He can do a lot of different things in terms of pass coverage and just blowing plays up. And And you need that. And sometimes, you know, with linebackers, You know, what I love about Tyndall is he has the ability not just to prevent, you know, there's linebackers that have sort of the ability to prevent a big play from happening, right? Where it's, hey, I got, you know, I I tackled someone at the line of scrimmage, or I deflected a pass, or I read things to sort of minimize, you know, what that play could be. Tyndall's a guy, okay, who can turn these sort of quick screens and these bubble screens and these lateral plays into a loss of five, you know, and, and, you know, it just totally disrupts a possession and it totally disrupts momentum. And you know, when you talk about kind of game changers, you know, and there, there's a handful of plays in every game where you know a huge play kind of changes the whole complexion of how you sort of strategize and script the next eight to ten plays. And Tyndall has that home run ability. You know, he's like that that slugger in baseball who hey, he may hit 230, 240 but he's going to hit 48 dingers in a year, you know,
0: and Tyndall is, is sort of that home run hitter uh, for a linebacker. Him and Smith are the two guys where it's like the situation will be fun to watch where those yes, guys go. Yes, like exactly. If they go to like a a Pittsburgh, a Baltimore, like one of those classic defense environments. Yep. Like I would love to see where they go. Is there any other guys we haven't touched that you're excited about, my man? Well,
1: you know, there's, I think that what's interesting to me is, and it's so funny how you and I kind of converged on the same list, just about, I think your seven, my seven, with the exception of maybe, you know, we had maybe the order slightly different and the exception of one guy, you know, it was all the same, which, you know, again, as my father would say, either great minds think alike or fools seldom differ. You know, it's one of the two, and maybe it's for our, our, our listeners to decide that, but to me, I think these guys really sort of separated themselves. But then I think at the linebacker position in this draft, I think there is a ton of value on the back end. Oh, and yes. I think If you sort of miss on one of the top three guys or one of these next three or four guys, you know, don't worry too much because I think that there is a lot of value on the back end. I think these guys are sort of, you know, have separated themselves a little bit. But, you know, the difference between a fifth round pick and a seventh round pick at the linebacker position, I think you're going to get just about the same amount of value. And so I think there's a lot of depth on the back end of this position. So not necessarily one guy for me that jumps out outside of this group, but I think the overall kind of critical mass of the position here, I think teams that have other needs earlier in the draft can address those needs and then can also address some holes at linebacker
0: very late in the draft here. It's such an important position. It's the captain of your defense. You want to have the best personnel out there. Madman, this was so much fun once again, dude. Uh, what we're going to do a couple episodes next week, uh, you know, in the couple coming weeks, uh, we got running backs to go and we still got quarterbacks. So two very productive positions that I wouldn't rather do with anyone else, Matt. Love it. Will the thrill. And, you know, we, we got... You know, no movie references
1: this week, Will, but we got to keep the audience on their toes. You know, we threw in a little basketball, a little Kenny Smith. We'll we'll bring, you know, th- don't, don't worry, audience. You know, the, the movie references are there. You just, you know, you got to save a little bit in the holster week after week, you know.
0: Yeah, I'm going to ruin that right now. Devin Lloyd might be the next Bobby Boucher if he keeps this up. So <laughs> we got our guy right there. Madman, great to see you as always. Draft is in session. We are